You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a black belt who trains at Octa BJJ, located in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Gale. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks very much, Lamar, for inviting me on the podcast. Really excited to do this today. Man, thank you, man. The pleasure is all mine, sir. How are you doing today? No, it's good. You know what? It was um, Sunday. So Sunday, I try to take it easy, but I got some training in today earlier this afternoon. So I kind of just went to an open mat, just trying to work on a little bit of nogi and then just kind of like prepping for the week. I got a lot of things, whether it's whether I'm with clients or I got obviously going to teach a couple classes. So week's going to be busy, but it's exciting. So Sounds good. Sounds good. The The problems of being an adult, right? Yeah, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't train two times a day and then you got to take time to recover and do all those things. Now, as you get into your 30s and 40s, you have to take time for your body. So as much as I would love to train like two times a day, five days, six days a week, you know, between two kids, uh, house, the whole thing, it doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's get it started. Uh, if you want to go ahead and formally introduce yourself again, by all means, and let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Yeah, for sure. So um, basically, I am black belt in uh, Mississauga, Ontario, under Hobson Mora. Um, was RMNU uh, Evo BJJ. Now it's Octa BJJ up in Mississauga, Ontario. Um, I've been training jujitsu for about close to like 15, 16 years now. Um, kind of started at. And like when we look at like Canada and Ontario, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was like still very young when I started. There weren't a lot of black belts. There was only like three black belts in Ontario at the time or three to four black belts. Um, that was kind of led by the um, we had the Gracie Humata and then we also had uh, Silvio Baring black belts at the time. And I was kind of got very fortunate to get connected with a school uh close to where i lived and uh, as soon as i tried it i was hooked so mm-hmm. it was one of those things it was a very humbling experience but it was exciting to get out and do it and then it was like like i said it's been 15 years since i've been training where i've had ups downs great training years great bad training years you know luckily fortunately never really had a major injury to like yeah. slow my progress or anything like that but you know like anything where you have these frustrating times where you take a little bit of a break and you know family life gets involved and all sorts of stuff your career kind of gets a little all weird you have to take certain side roads so like my pathway to a black belt might have taken a little bit longer than say to typical 10 years but it was one of those paths I still you know kept to the straight where it was always like it wasn't a question of like if it was always when really it was always Mm going to happen it was just slowly focusing on being a better competitor or a better practitioner and then now i really focus on just being a better teacher right where Mm -hmm. it's like how do i take an individual from its infancy stages of not knowing anything and then teaching them to learn how to do certain things and how do they progress to be that white belt to four belt for stripe to blue belt and then that blue belt for four stripes up into purple belt so like those are the steps in progress that i look at as like as an instructor and go, okay, this is what makes me 
successful because if I can teach properly and get these people moving in the direction I was, then mm -hmm. that's going to create a better opportunity for others. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. So what, what was it about jujitsu? Cause you know, 15 years is a long time doing the same thing over and over again. So, um, you know, I always like wonder what was it about it that made you stick around this long? Yeah. I mean, I think like anything, like when I first started, I was kind of a different industry. I was in the automotive industry at the time. I was, you know, you smoke, you drink, you do all sorts of things. And it kind of made me change my lifestyle more than anything. Right. So, mm -hmm. and I, and it, I always tell a story cause it's pretty funny because the first humbling experience, cause I had done karate, I'd done boxing and as much as like those sports were, you know, challenging, they weren't that, that challenging. I didn't feel defeated if I ever left the class or anything like that. Like, ah, yes, you don't have a good sparring session. You kind of move on and that's it. Right. But mm -hmm. When I did jujitsu the first time, I literally got manhandled by a girl, right? And I'm not saying it as like a bad thing or anything like that. Like I got choked the fuck out. Like, sorry mm -hmm. if I can't swear on this podcast. I apologize. You can bleep it no, out, you're good. right? You're good. But um, like I got choked like three times, and I didn't know how it happened. And we were always in geese at the time, and um, yeah, it was bad. It was like, like, man, I just got like, I go home, like, I think I like, I'm like super red too, because it's like, even though I got red hair, but I'm like, I could have got, I was a smoker at the time. I could not get this person off of me and I got choked. And it was like, this is a terrible experience. Like I can't, I'm a, I'm a child out there. Right. So I'm like, okay, something's got to change. So like right there. And then it was like, take my money. Like I bought a gi, I bought everything. Like I'm okay. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Right. And mm -hmm. it was the one sport where I was like, I was so humbled at the beginning where I'm like, okay, I got to get better, right? How can I get better? Not necessarily beat her or beat that individual. It's just like, how, how can I not suck at this anymore? Right. Right. So, and never be in that same type of position I've ever been in. So that was a big like aha moment for me, but mm -hmm. I've always looked at it as like, yeah, as long as I keep moving forward, this is something I'll always get better at it. you never figure out jujitsu that's the big never. thing i think people after the other conception it was like you're never gonna be figuring it out to you know everything because it's not how it works right it's always mm -hmm. evolving people's games are completely different and it's and you'll come across stuff you've never seen before and you're like that's but then you're like oh you probably learned it at a white belt and you totally forgot right mm -hmm. so it's always changing it's you forget more jujitsu than you know, and then you always just recycle stuff and eventually it comes back to you. So it just helps me kind of keep humbling myself where I'm like, I don't know everything. This is going to mm -hmm. constantly make me study and constantly make me, because again, you get left behind. I've taken breaks where you, you just kind of walk away. You stop practicing, you stop doing certain things. And like I said, I, I had to take a break at one point during my career because like I'm a, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. So I just kind of took me out of my realm of being able to train and practice. And what happens is, is you, you learn, you lose the game. You don't, you learn mm -hmm. touch, you learn feel timing. You might have the conditioning, but your, your conditioning sucks and your timing's off and nothing works and all those things disappear. So you have to reset those expectations and reset your mind and, that's always been a good humbling experience for me. So like 
even when we look at like COVID, when that happened, it was like, that was a huge break, right? And like, like I don't know where where your what the laws were like with you, but we shut down in Ontario for like almost two years, right? So oh wow, okay, it was all about speakeasy jujitsu, right? Like we had to like go into like gyms and basically whether it be like hiding and like okay lock lock the doors turn the lights off like okay let's go and we got the training in but again you you, the first six months like nobody did anything no it was terrible right like places were closed like owner and again i totally understand owners where they're like hey i can't take the risk on opening up my gym right now right Mm -hmm. and luckily you know, eventually some people were like, okay, you know what? Everybody's gotten vaccine or we got this, whatever. All right, let's, let's go, let's train. Right. And that was a, a blessing. Cause it was like, okay, finally I can get back to doing something. But then that was still a repart restart. Right. They're like, oh, okay. I got to start the shit all over again. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so, yeah. And it, and it happens, but I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, especially when you look at individuals or we're going from white belt to blue belt, where like blue belts like that age day and age where everybody quits right and they're like ah i've I've reached it it's like no like there's still so much more to that mountain peak that you haven't even touched and you're never going to get to the mountain right you're never going to hit the peak it's just like one more it's like those false peaks right you just you think you're here and then you're not you still got a way more to go and that's okay Mm -hmm. as long as you're okay with that journey that's how you do it and i think that's what makes me um so hooked to jujitsu is because it's it's a problem you can never solve, mm-hmm. but you're going to try anyway. Yeah. Why not? Right. Like, you, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to figure this out, but let's, let's, let's see anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I would even like I, one of my training partners, uh, Mike, who actually does the podcast uh, on my own podcast with me, we, we started it over COVID, but um, cause we were like, Oh, we got to do something. I'm fucking bored. So let's build, let's do something. Right. So, right. And um, he's always been like a lapel player. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's fucking cheating. Fuck you and your lapel. Like get this crap out of here. Right. And, and I was at that point where I'm like, you know, what? rather than fighting against this, like just learn it, right. Learn mm-hmm. how to do it. And then you, you'll understand it more. And that's where if you can take the humility out of it and go, okay, you know what? I just need to learn more. I need to figure this out. And you don't have to play it. You don't have to play the game. You just got to know what it is. And then how do you break it down? Okay, cool. Now I know how I got here. How do I get out of it? Then you simplify it that way and work your way backwards. It helps your progression a lot better. So you can still play your game, but not have to start, okay, I need to add this. I need to add that. No, just understand what those techniques are. Right. And that's been like my training going forward because, uh, you know, with the idea of competing more um, and I was like, you know, I want to try Nogi. I want to try and compete Nogi. And, you know, you always hear like, you know, Nogi, you got to watch out for leg locks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I don't necessarily play, you know, play leg locks, but I still want to learn it. That way, if, if I get into a situation where I I can finish a leg lock, I, I, I know it's there. And on the same side, if I'm in a position where I'm about to get leg locked, I know how to defend it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's basically that same analogy that you said. Like, you necessarily don't have to use it, but at least, you know, learn it to be aware of it. 
that way you'd be able to defend it or you know def yeah be able to, to uh, defend it yeah exactly and i mean so like even in the context of like nogi so i purposely made a point of like okay when i'm teaching because normally i've been always like a gi like mm -hmm. gi coaching and all that kind of stuff and i was like okay you know what come this like last like year and a half i've been specifically teaching one day of no gi and then obviously i'll do the gi right but again it's not mm -hmm. because i'm like i want to do more gi it's like i need to know more in no gi so it's forcing me to train no gi right yeah in like if you're asking me like okay aaron you're gonna go gi class or no gi class i'm like eh, i'm gonna go gi class right because i can play i can play my game a little bit more whatever but because now and again we look at training time as like you know it's it's your selfish time, right? So if you only yeah. got two days to go and it's like your wife's bugging you, you're like, okay, what, you know, what day am I going to go? I'm going to go to the day I'm more a little bit more comfortable with, right? That's kind of like some people's mentality, right? But I was like, okay, I'm going to force myself to learn more. I'm going to force myself to teach more in Nogi. Boom. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's going to be my, my study time. So I'm going to teach, but I'm also going to have to actually put it into practice, explain it, understand why it works knew all that stuff so now it forces me to do it and actually like now that i've been doing that for like the last year and a half i feel so much more comfortable doing nogi right where it's like i can go into these positions of leg entanglements or body locks or or, or whatever am i the best at it no right because i'm still in as you mm -hmm. say the infancy stages but does it apply to gi training absolutely because now I'm just being able to do all this stuff without any grips and I'm still being yeah. able to find control and position. And it's actually helped my game out a little bit more. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I felt weird, you know, when I, when I came up that came up with that personally myself, cause um, you know, we strictly, you know, we do strictly gi. So I was like, man, I, I, I love rolling no gi. You know, so I'm like, okay, I need to find more time to do that. So I like, you know, um, our open mats will be no gi. And I was talking to one of our training partners, and he's like, you know, why you start like, you know, you really starting to fall in love with no gi so much. Like, what's up with it? And I'm like, I like no gi because I don't have to worry about grip fighting, and I don't have to burn my fingers out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and right. you know, I can roll hard. This whole time, I have to focus on technique because I can't hold you down because you can't grab, you know, skin or mm -hmm. or rash guards. And if I go back to gi, I still know how to use my hands. I still know how to, you know, work lapel grips and stuff. But I don't have to hold on the whole entire match. Yeah. So it no. just it just teaches you know teaches you how to still use your you know your your hands properly versus fighting with collars and you know sleeves and whatnot. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, like, I always <clears> looked at it, it as like, if you're, and, and I've been the judge of it, where it's like, oh, I'm burning my grips out, where I'm like, I'm just holding on for dear life, because it's going to a tournament every time. It's like the first 30 seconds is like death grips for all. Yes. Right? And it's just like, yes. what are we doing here? This is the stupidest game plan ever. <laughs> right. And so now I'm just like, ah, you know what? Just, I, I'd rather than, grabbing material i'll use material when i need to rather than mm -hmm. as an essential thing where it's just just changed my the way i train so much more right but i think it's yeah. because it helps too because i have a we have let we're fortunate or i'm fortunate enough to have two black belt instructors that i've worked with for the last now eight years that one is primarily a no gi guy and the other one's a gi guy 
So mm. I get that contrast of both seeing both as as one of their black belts so I can see the differences but then I can also lean towards one or the other if I need to ha have a question or, or things like that and, and that's the biggest thing because like even if as I have a black belt I'm still a student of the game mm -hmm. I'm still learning I don't know anything really right. right I just know more than the brown belt and I might know more than the purple belt that but I've just been on the mats longer I don't really necessarily mm -hmm. know more right so. Right. Yes, and yeah, my um, it's just like you know, that's like the conversations I have with my my instructor, uh, because you know, fortunately we work together, so we uh, you know, talk about the you know previous classes or something mm -hmm. we saw online, and you know, just to sit there and like pick his brain, and you can still see the stuff that he's still learning, even as a you know, doing this plus ten years. And he's still learning. He's still evolving his game. We'll be like, you know, sitting around and like, hey, let's just go work something real quick. And, oh, I was looking at this and da-da-da-da. So we're like in the middle of his office, you know, working, you know, hand fighting and stuff. But, yeah, man, like you always, like I said, like back to what we were saying, you're, like, you're always learning jiu-jitsu no matter what stage of the game you're in. Oh, yeah, for sure. So now do you now do you compete? Yeah, so I'll be honest with you. Like the la last time I competed was 2019, and that was just because of a series of like, again, COVID was a big one, so we didn't have tournaments for like literally two years, and mm -hmm. so travel was a big pain in the ass because I had you know a two-year-old and a five-year-old at the time that is now four and seven. So at that point in time, it's been a little crazy, right? So to get out because we would have to leave the country, right? There was no competition yeah. in Canada for the longest time. So that just slowly started getting back. So now obviously, because now things are good, I'm, like I said, knock on wood, healthy. Um, my plan is, obviously, we have a series of competitions over the next month and then two months over here in Ontario. So I'm planning on doing a no-gi competition. I'm planning on doing a gi competition, which is kind of get me back in the game, as they say. <laughs> mm -hmm. But even though, like, I'm like I'm 40 years old now, so I'll be going into the master's division. I'm okay with that because now I can be like, okay, let me roll against guys that are my age rather than trying to go up against these killers who are 20 years old and, you know, out of school and don't do anything, don't have a real right. job, but let them, let them kill each other and let me get back with all the other instructors that are still training. And, you know, we know not to reap each other because we all got to work the next morning. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's going to be hard to recover from this. So let's, wow. let's take it easy, you know? <laughs> That's the thing, man. It's funny because it's like, I, I, I laugh because like even like going in the bullpens of like the old comps that I used to do, because like I still, I coach a lot of guys more now. Right. But mm -hmm. um, you'd be in the bullpens and you see the adults, like the, like the young guys just fucking, they don't talk to each other. Like they're just so focused on what they need to do and how, whose head they're going to rip off and all that. And then you see the older guys in the master's divisions, they're all chatting with each other. Yeah, like, yeah man, we're going to go out and do this thing. You know, this is going to be fun. Like, you know, and then like once the fight happens, like both of them are going at it, which is great. And that's what you want. Right. But mm -hmm. you just see the, the mentality is just shifted. Right. Where, I mean, when you get into like IBJJF, like world uh, masters and all that, it's a little different, right? The guys are a little bit mm -hmm. more serious, right? But all the local tournaments, like all the masters competitors, they're just there to have fun. 
you know, really compete against themselves and see where they can go. And I think that's important, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what's going to really help grow the sport. As much as we want to say, like, everybody needs to be on a fight to win card or who's number one card. I'm like, yeah, that's not feasible, right? That's not going to happen. Those are for pro athletes. And that's the, the pinnacle of the sport, as they say. But jujitsu in itself is so down in the bottom tiers as far as like its growth stages still it's nowhere mm-hmm. near what it could be i mean adcc has really opened up that because now they are starting to do a lot more opens and they're branching out so we're going to have an adcc in ottawa in um april 22nd 23rd i think it is so like that's okay. a that's a big open trials that they're going to do so like when you when you see big organizations start to open up more contests on the on an international level that's mm-hmm. only going to help bring more amateur athletes into the fold and those yeah. amateur athletes are will again if they want for want to pursue that they're going to become pros and that's that's a great that's what's going to build jiu-jitsu but it, the reality is is still a very young sport it's still yeah. very trying to build it bit by bit and whether it's state by state and province by province it's still going to take a lot of time before it happens to get to that mainstream level yeah it's a it's a very slow burn yeah very very slow burn because um i think who yeah i think it was gordon ryan was on uh joe rogan's podcast and they were talking about you know jujitsu and if it will be able to be mainstream and whatnot and one of the points that we're making, like combat jujitsu has a better chance than like, you know, traditional gi jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Because even you can even watch a UFC match, you know, us as jujitsu practitioners, if the fight goes to the ground, well, we're we're excited. Mm-hmm. But the average, you know, fan doesn't want to see that. They want to see bloodshed. They want to see the, you know, punches being thrown, the kicks being, you know, kicks to the head. So yeah. who's really gonna sit there and watch? gi jiu-jitsu on t on you know on tv yeah besides people who you know practice jiu-jitsu yeah you know and you make a good point because and it, even like when they said it but i think and i've had this conversation with a lot of people where it really comes down to the rule sets right like mm-hmm. that's what dictates what happening in a match right so mm-hmm. And again, this is the biggest problem where you're having is like, okay, well, Gordon Ryan wants to, do, and I like Gordon Ryan. These are the, the guys. Until he beat him, you can't say shit, right? That's the way right. I, I look at it, right? But with Gordon Ryan, he wants to do no time at limit, no gi matches, right? And mm-hmm. in a sense, if you like that, it's great, right? If you want to see a 45 minute break this person down and just watch them suffer. Cause like, you know, you, you as a practitioner know what's happening. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, this yeah. is the best thing I've ever seen. This guy's making him look, making this black belt of 10 years look like he's a white belt. Like that's, it's amazing. You see these things. Right. Mm-hmm. But for the average person, that's like, what the, why am I watching this for 45 minutes? Like well, and these two what, dudes hold each other. This is, what, this <laughs> is what you do. Why? You, what? Like, really? right. Like, yeah. so, so, and you're trying to show your friends, like, yeah, look at this. And you're like, oh, God, this is stupid. I got to go for a smoke or something. Like, it's just like, right. those are the types of things. So, rule sets really set the agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to have a referee system where the pace is pushed. 
So if you have action, whether it's gi or no gi, obviously gi, you're going to, I'm sorry, no gi, you're going to get more action because there's just less stuff as far as the tacticality to, to operate on. So there has to be mm -hmm. movement. There has to be flow where right. gi is obviously, if you're going to go with like IBJJF, right? For example, guys are going to try to score points, right? So it's, you're going to get into these very dull based, okay, I'm just trying to score holes, score holes, score holes, right? Like if the, if the, if the subs happen, it's because an individual opens up because they're down on points. Like that's what happens. That's a, these are when the submissions happens. They don't happen at, at a black belt level, right? They don't happen right. at fluke, but in a no gi sense, it's like okay. So if we create the rules where it's oh, let's call it submission only, right? Or like mm -hmm. who's number one rules, right? They have an interesting rule set too, right? Based on how they score it. That's how you're going to get more people involved because the action has to be constant. It can't be static. If it becomes too static where you're just getting individuals trying to jockey for position, it's not going to be a good entertainment aspect for an, for the general public to watch. Yeah. Okay, because you're, you're thinking if they're going to do a card, you can think, what, five or six fights. Mm -hmm. You think, you know, people want to sit through this like every single time of like people just tussling and barely getting to the ground for like yeah. the first 10 minutes? Nah. No, and, and you know what? You have to raise the stakes somewhere, right? So mm -hmm. I've had the opportunity to um, host a couple of different and commentate a couple of different like super fight cards recently. Mm -hmm. So one of the one of the cards we did was called Ace Jiu Jitsu Pro, right? Where it was a black belt card, and they do a Copa. And so the the rule set is based on like kind of like say an eight man bracket, for example, right? And so if you win by sub, you get three points. You win by points, then it's uh, two points. And if you win by a ref's decision, it's one point, right? So okay. the way the bracket works is that you have these competitors fighting for points now, right? So whoever gets the most points wins this Copa, right? So, and the match is only six minutes. So rather than having a 10-minute black belt adult match, you drop the match's time to six minutes. So they don't have a lot of time to work. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're just you're constantly. And, they, and again, what's the caveat? We want individuals to get a pull for a sub because if they get a sub. That means they're going to be higher in the bracket standings for the Copa as the quarterfinals and the semifinals. And then the finals happen. Right. So right. you could you could wrap up this division by the finals as like a competitor if you got all subs. Yeah. Right? I was you just know, thinking that when you were talking. Yeah. Right. So you could wrap this up. And, and, and the only way you lose is that. Maybe it, maybe that person you're at two points ahead of them. They can't beat you by decision. They can't beat you by uh, points. They got to beat you by sub, right? So mm -hmm. all you got to do is just pre prevent the sub, right? So, so there's a lot of scenarios that can happen with that to make the matches interesting, right? Yeah, for sure. And then when you look at like like card length, for example, like I was at a card where it's like it was great. We kept it under three hours, but it was 27 matches. Right? Oh, that's a, lot people, right? that's a lot of matches and i'm like the card was awesome like but again the only reason it was under three hours because we were lucky enough because we had blue belt and purple belt competitors that were going for action and they found subs within the first two minutes okay right so that's a that's a lucky thing though that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's gonna happen all the time so if you get right. these individuals who are like just pushing the pace and they get the, these subs it's great 
keep it under three hours, you're ready to rock. I honestly think two hours is your max. That's kind of mm-hmm. like a two-hour jujitsu match card, which is probably maybe 10 matches at most, 10, maybe 15, if I'm pushing it, right? Two mm-hmm. hours. Because that is that's taking two hours out of people's time to, you know, go out, go where they need to go, buy a ticket, buy their food, go for dinner, create an evening out of it. You go over two right. and a half hours, it's like, okay, is there a concert? No. Okay, there wasn't an opening act? No. How am I getting – what am I getting out of this, right? Right, right. So, and, and, like, and that's if you want to attract the, the hey, you want to come with me to a jiu-jitsu event tonight? Whoa, what's that about, right? Like you got to garner interest with the, the – it's great for the individuals who know what we're doing, right? Right. If the individual doesn't know, how do you get this person to come with you to this event where they'll like it? Mm-hmm. And eventually – learn it but yeah like and they got to look at it and be like oh man this is this is weird like no, yeah no. if they see that there's lots of action they're like okay this is cool I, I would go do this or i would i would try it out or you know i'll, I'll go to a, a trial class with you or you know i'll go to the next card or i'll watch it on pay-per-view or flow or whatever but if it's just boring and it's nothing's happening and it's two guys laying on top of each other trying to fight for an advantage right like right well, why, why did he get a point well you know he he kind of got out of that sub and then he got put back on his ground and he got a, like oh that's kind of stupid right like yeah that's kind of how the rules work though <laughs> like, yeah because i mean because you i mean it could work because that's how people really found out about jujitsu when it first you know came to the ufc no one knew what this fighting style was <laughs> it was like you just got this guy in his pajamas you know, walking through people. So it's like, all right, so now people want to learn this sport. So yeah, if they found a way to make it interesting to the masses, yeah, I believe jujitsu could definitely be something mainstream. They, yeah, no, like there's, there's so much potential, right? I, I think the the beautiful thing when the UFC and like jujitsu first came into play, there was like, you couldn't, there was like no cell phones, right? Like there was no internet, right? right? So like you didn't have... 50,000 other things distracting you from one thing, right? So you were either interested or you weren't, right? And then you right. it wasn't taking away from, oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm watching this and this is more exciting, right? It was a curiosity thing where people were like, okay, I got to go try this to see what it is. Or, wow, this is really exciting. And now it's just like, okay, who has a better promotion? Who can sell the best? Okay, who talks the biggest shit? It's like, mm-hmm. who's got a great instructional? Like, hey – athletes got to make money right so i'm all good i'm all good with instructionals but there's just so many instructionals like what's a good instructional nowadays i don't know right like you right. have to really pinpoint okay where where, where are you getting your content from and what works mm-hmm. and what doesn't because i'm sure you've seen stuff on youtube or whatever i'm like that'll never work in real life yeah. <laughs> like it's like you see it and you're like, ah, oh, that looks cool. I could try it. This doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna work. You might catch it, right? Right. Never say never, right? Because never happens. say never. But because some reality. stuff you you see it, it's like it's a one time. Like okay, like I, only way I'm gonna get this if they don't don't know what I'm about to do. If yeah. they've never seen it before, that's the only way I'm gonna get it. I'm not gonna hit this a second time. No, exactly right. Like, so like <laughs> it's like even like flying armbar, right? Like. Flying armbar is like it's fucking risky. Like I don't care what anybody says. Like it's a risky move. Have I pulled it off? Yeah. Yes, once in competition. Like I was 
down when I was and this is a purple belt, I think. Um, I was competing, it was the semifinals or whatever. I'm getting my ass handed to me, right? I'm down on points. I'm just I, we roll out of bounds. I ended up getting the point against me because I ro- we rolled out of bounds or something like that. There's like 12 seconds left on the clock. We reset mm-hmm. in the middle. I'm like, well, I got one shot, and that's a flying arm. Bro. That's it. Like, there's nothing else I can do at this point, right? Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, grab him, boom, show up for a flying arm bar, hit it, tap him out. And I'm like, all right, perfect. <laughs> I walk off the mat. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't deserve to win that. Not at all. <laughs> but it worked. But the it worked. It worked. So right. have I hit, been able to hit it since? No, right? Like, I, I, like in competition, right? Like I've tried it. I almost knocked myself out the last time I tried to do it. So I'm like, yeah, it's probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> like, like flying anything is not is not rec- not recommended. No, not recommended not at, at all. all. Can, can you do things? Absolutely, right? Are there, sometimes like the worst idea is not the best idea, but it's still an idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, for sure. Because um, you know, because like we had. Um, decided to order uh, the last uh, ADCC when uh, Gordon Ryan fought um, Andre Gaval. And, you know, we were like, yeah, we're going to, you know, all leak up at the gym, order food and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch it. And I think we were like maybe like two or three hours in and it still haven't got to like the main card yet. So we were like, oh, God, we, I, I can't, I gotta go. <laughs> like, this oh, is, yeah, like, this is way too long. Like a, it's hour day, right? So, <laughs> cause I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, you know, looking on uh, Instagram, looking at the card. I'm like, dude, the main card don't start to like six. Yeah. And it's like 2 30. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nah, I, gotta, I gotta go. I gotta do shit. <laughs> so I'll, catch the, I'll catch the highlights on YouTube, man. I, mm, no. No, 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 no. No, I, like, I, and that's the thing. They gotta like the one thing. Like, I credit UFC. Like, I UFC is great, but like, there's just too many cards going on anymore. So I, I feel the nostalgia of like building up a fight is not as good as it used to be, just because there's so many going on right now. Um, yeah, like I'm still a fan, but will I? I'm not gonna buy every card I can, right? Like, I'll go house broke. But um, right, and he, I could stream them. But again, that's again three hours out of my day, and they're so late, and it's just like, oh man, it's one o'clock. I, I gotta go to bed. <laughs> but right. um, but the idea is like they were really good at like getting the show rolling, right? So mm-hmm. making sure that okay, the fight starts at ten o'clock. Okay, perfect. So we know from ten o'clock to one a.m. That's the fight card, right? So mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of stick to that code of like, this is what we have their main card. If you're prelims, all right, here's your main card. Boom, there we go. Without by one thirty, you're done. Have a good night, right? Where right. jiu-jitsu is, and again, like even like when was the last time you went to a tournament and you actually fought on the time that they told you you're going to fight? Never, Re- never, right? They never. Still can't, like, and then we've been doing this shit for how how long? Like twenty years. We still can't yeah. figure this shit out. Still can't figure it out. Like, like, and then we got all these different companies that do like, um, what do you call it? Um, like Smooth Comp, or and I'm not trying to bash on these companies or anything like that. Like Smooth Comp, the software, um, you know, like they're gonna tell you what time you're gonna fight and this and that. And like, they still can't mm-hmm. get it right, right? Still can't get it right. At the end of the day, it's like it's all about human. The person's got to be like, okay, you're fighting at this time. Like, I'm good with a half an hour window. 
right? Like if it's like half an hour and be like, okay, my fight is supposed to start at let's say one one o'clock, right? And if I get on there by one thirty, no problem. That's that's great. Right. That's, that's a good turnaround time, right? Almost like one thirty gets pushed back to two fifteen, then you're at three o'clock. It's like what the fuck, man? Like I wait at you... one, right? Like, right. And... Like that kind of stuff drives me nuts. Yeah. Because so. that's what that's what happened at um at Grappling Industries. Uh, oh, you know, don't get me started with that. <laughs> Got you know. Industries. I'm checking my time. I was like, oh, my time starts at uh, let's think it's like eleven thirty. So I'm like, okay, cool, I got time. So I'm just kind of walking around, getting the vibe, and I think about ten something, I hear my name get called. So I'm rushing to throw stuff on now at this point, and I'm like running back to my bag and back to the floor, and they're like, you know, yeah, you're on mat number whatever. So I'm sitting here, just for them to be like, oh, they're still six more matches. There was like a few more matches before you guys go on. So I'm like, why'd you call me then? Just for us not to even start on the time that we said we was going to start. That's not even the worst of it. The last grappling industries that one of the, one of my students went to, okay. Mm -hmm. In Toronto. It's the first tournament of the year. Cause they're like January 30th or whatever. It's like, boom, first tournament of the year. Everybody's, it was packed, right? Like it was like 500 people signed up. And I'm not saying that, they're I'm not saying that, well, there's too many people they can't figure out, right? But mm-hmm. they got this, they're doing gi and no gi at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. My competitor's on the, he's on the mat, ready to go for the gi division. He's about to go, like the match is going on. He's going on right after. They're calling him for no gi. And this same bracket, same division. I'm like, what are you doing? How, how can he be competing in gi and now all of a sudden he needs to run over there and go do no gi, right? Like six minutes later. Like, this is this is a stupid problem. And it's because you, you overload the competitor. Like, it's fine. You want to take people's money. I'm good with that. But you got to organize the system so you're not running into stupidity like this. It just, it's just right. a bad experience. It, it turns people off of competing. Because they're like, I don't want to sit. Yeah, they love the competition aspect. I hate sitting around. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, you know, that's been the only thing I've been, like, weary about competing, you know, two different divisions. Because um, one time my uh, my uh, teammate competed, and he was going to do both gi and no gi. So he did gi, and then there was, like, a three-hour, three, four-hour wait time before the next division started he's like man i'm not standing around for this Mm -hmm. i'm tired i just did three you know i just did four matches and then i have to wait another three hours to do my next set nah forget it no and that's the thing right like it's just it's hard because it's like you got grappling industries is awesome because it's like you get that round robin, right? So the idea yeah. is you're getting an individual can go out and do a bunch of different fights in their division for one day. It gets them a lot of experience. And I think that's great. I think as competitors, we need to have practice rounds, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody can be that, you know, there's, there's, there's individuals who are just great competitors. They can go to that single elimination tournament. They can turn it on and they can just be awesome every single time they step on the mat. But that's not everybody, right? The right. general competitor needs practice. They need to understand. If, if, if you've never competed in any sport before the age of 20, and now all of a sudden you're like, okay, now you're going into this 
lion's den of competition and you've never done any sort of competition before high school or elementary school or anything like that and especially mm-hmm. like single competition i'm not talking about team right team competition is right. completely different to a single combat competition like that's a big stressor right like it's mm-hmm. big on an individual right like freeze up like competition just in general is like you think you're in greatest shape ever in the first 30 seconds you're sucking wind because you don't know how to breathe properly right so the individual go when they get these different rounds of the round robin, you know, they mean their first match sucks, but now their second match, they're like, okay, now I've gotten those nervous energy out. I'm good to go. I can go. And then, you know what? They, they do really well in the round robin. And then they might even win the division, right? Cause they got to do mm-hmm. that rematch and maybe they got the most points. Who knows? Right. But running a gi and so at the same time, round robin, how do you not think that's going to cause problems? Right. right. Maybe, and again, I, I understand it's it's hard to be like, OK, well, you got to rent the arena for two days, but rent the arena for two days. then, Right. If it's going to make the experience better for the competitors and the experience is better for you as an organizer, do it like spend the yeah. money. Right. And again, I know it's not a, a cheap investment to do, but it's going to make your life easier and you're going to get more people wanting to do your tournament. Because it was, hey, I got on the match like when the first 30 minutes, I got my four fights in. It was a great day. I went the next day. I did the no-gi competition. I felt great. I got my six fights in, whatever. You know, it was well run. That's a good experience, right? Yeah. But when definitely. you look at, yeah, I waited six hours. They called me for this. It was fucking shitty. I'm not going to do that tournament again. Fuck that, right? Like, right. So I don't know. Like, that's my opinion with that particular one. But again, there's people who run a really good tournament too. And then there's, you can't solve every problem, right? Shit's going to happen, right. but it's just got to get better. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not, you know, it's not bashing them. Cause like you said, no, I'm not bashing. People, I'm not bashing. people, people, people drop out uh, or they just up and decide not to do the division anymore. People leave. So yeah, we get it. But it's like, man, yeah, it's just, just put a hold on it. Like, just yeah. get a chokehold on it, man. That, that's all. That's all we're asking. Because, yeah, as as a person, like, because, you know, my my daughter, she trains. So when I go to a tournament, she wants to go. And I would love for her to be there. But she's a kid. She's not going to sit there for, like, you know, four or five hours. Oh, yeah. And how, how old is your daughter? Uh, she's seven. Yeah, exactly. She's not going to do that crap. <laughs> she's, like, the first couple of hours, she's like, yeah. And then... By hour three, she's like, uh, Dad, I'm ready to go. Yeah, uh, we need to like, go. Like, I'm like, me too. <laughs> I haven't peed yet. I got to go. I got to get worth my, my 80 bucks worth. <laughs> I remember I was like, I, Daddy didn't do his matches, so we still got to stay. So she's like, all right. And I'm like, I know, baby. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's rough, man. But no, I I mean, when it's when it's go like when the when it's going is good. Like oh, when, yeah. if you get your when the matches are going, you know the the energy is live. It's 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 vibrant in there. Just like you, you know, you feel on top of the world, even if you lose. And then you know you you get your medal or not, and you go home. Yeah. So and, and you know what? Like the idea of competition, and you have a really good training day. It's like, fuck, this is great. Like this is I had a great day. You feel good about yourself. You feel good about practice. I think the the process too of like you. picking a date and you're like okay i'm gonna make weight for this particular day and then i'm gonna go train 60 days away from here and then i'm just like you go for that competition and if you have a really good day talk about self-accomplishments like that's and that's i'm telling you 
is huge for competitors. It's huge for individuals in general. And they, they accomplish something. And they, you know, even if they don't have a great day, they still get a learning experience of all that work that they've done before and how they push that forward. And I think that's a great atmosphere where it's like, it provides a different type of um, sense of achievement compared to, you know, like the, to, I, I hate because I'm like, like I said, I'm a strength conditioning coach. Right. So I hear the new year's resolutions all the time. Right. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want to hear resolutions. I want to hear markers where we're going to get to. That's where we're always constantly working. So I don't, mm-hmm. do I think new year's is a great reset for people? I do. Right. I think it's a good because people will always gravitate to a New Year's resolution and it's fine. But I always look at what are we going to accomplish in 30 days? What are we going to accomplish in 60 days? What's our, our year end goal? And then we always look back on these things and be like, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? How do we adjust? Right. And right. when you look at a tournament where it's like, okay, so like, so you circle a date, right? So like I've circled a couple dates for me and it's like, now it's about the process. How do I, go through this process and make sure I'm accomplishing what I want to accomplish in this particular time frame, Right. And how do mm-hmm. I feel when I get there? Right. And again, I might right. feel really good or I might feel really shit. I don't know. Right. But now it's the journey. Right. And it's like, how do mm-hmm. I, and then the next time I circle the next date, like, okay, uh, the tournament went really well or went crap. Okay. What adjustments can I make between now and then to get better? Yeah. That's the, yeah. and that's the game. Right. And it's like, that's the game. And it's like, it's up to the coaches, it's up to, you know, the competitor be, or the competitor's got to recognize, okay, what, what didn't go right, right? And the coaches mm-hmm. got to have the answers or kind of provide the game plan to be like, okay, here, here's what we're going to do. This is what happened on an out, a bird's eye view. This is how we can make it better. Okay, cool. Let's put the game plan together. Let's work on this. Let's work on that. And if they can do that, hey, man, like, it, no, those, are, those results are going to come. It's just about putting in the time. Right. Yeah. You can yeah. never control the draw, but you can control what you do in that. Right. Frame, right. And if you can walk away from a competition and being like, you know what? I tried, but it, the chips didn't fall where they were supposed to lay today. That's OK. But I did everything I was supposed to do. That's a win. Regardless. That's a win. A win's a win. Right. Right. And, and you know what? Like I get the concept of like people say, like, you don't lose in jujitsu. You either win or you learn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you do lose, right? Like you do. You, you right? take L. You, you take L. You, you go to competition. You you lost. Like like let's call it what it is, right? You lost. Mm-hmm. You wanted to win. You didn't win. But you're gonna get so much out of that learning experience. But you should still remember, you want to win. Yeah. Competition is about winning. So it's not saying you're a loser because you lost. No, you won in all the different aspects of your life. Is like you're building off that. And that's how you're going to be a winner down the road. Right. And I understand both concepts. Like, yeah, because, you you know, you have to have a winner. You have to have a loser. It's just how it works. But um, I think with me, uh, when it comes to, like, you no, know, like, the way I look at tournaments now, it's just, it's just that extra training day. It's like an open mat or whatnot. And if I, you know, if I win, it's like, okay, everything that I put into place worked out. You know, I got went out there, did my job, got the subs or whatever, and I won, blah, blah, blah. But if I lose, to me, it's like, all right, let's, yeah, let's go back and fix that. Let's get ready for the next one. Let's, you know, take away everything that we did today and, you know, be better prepared for the next one. And that's what I did. Like, my first tournament, 
I, I went out quick. Not gonna not gonna lie to you. You got took me out quick. Um, but the second tournament, you know, I did fairly better than I did the last. So it's like, okay, well, let's keep that momentum going and improve for the for the next one. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? Like that's that's the best thing you can do, right? It's just mm -hmm. and that's how you grow as a practitioner, that's how you grow as a competitor. But again, like those aspects will those habits and everything else will affect your other parts of your life as well. Right. Mm -hmm. They'll, whether how you do affect um, a project or things that you're working on for work or how you're working with your family and all that kind of stuff, it's going to make you appreciate and see the difference, how you react to certain things differently. Right. It could be mm -hmm. like, and it could be anything. It could be. Yeah. I, I always look at the idea of trying to make weight. Right. That was the big thing yeah. where it's like, I always add it with my athletes. Like we always make weight. No matter what. And like that was like coaches, like previous coaches, and they were all nuts. And they were like really good, they're great instructors, but like talk about loose grooves and like fucking crazy. <laughs> but you did not miss weight, right? Like mm -hmm. that was a big thing. And again, they were had a lot of MMA guys that they were working with. And if you miss weight, like you get fucking beat up at training. Like uh. you don't you do not miss weight. So that was a big thing. It's like you pick a weight division. You stick with that weight division. So if it's 155, you're going to make weight. Because, again, there's so much work that goes into the training camp, right? Yeah. So if, if for jiu-jitsu, well, you just don't get to compete. But, like, with MMA, it's like, okay, you lose money. You lose your price. Yeah. So let's say, I don't know, let's say the, 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 um, the show is 10 grand, right? And so now you have to take a 30% cut. So now it's seven grand. So that means your coach is going to get paid less. Your sponsor gets paid less. You get paid less. Like, that's a big thing. Like, you, well, actually, the coach shouldn't get paid less. It's just going to get the same amount regardless. Right? <laughs> but um, you're just going to get paid less. But you don't want to miss weight. Like, that's right. like a huge thing. And it, it's like all that work that you did, like, you can stick to the game plan. You fucking fucked up before we even got there. Right. Right. So, the idea is like, okay, hey man, we pick a weight and we're gonna work. We gotta make sure we hit weight, and that's a just somebody hitting weight, for example. That might be the win, especially yeah. if that, especially if that practitioner is like, again, they they come to class two three days a week. Like that's their exercise. They were overweight. They joined jujitsu because they were trying to lose weight. Now they're going to be a competitor. Perfect. Now they got to a weight they've never been to before, and they're gonna compete. This is huge. We're already yeah, winning. Big win. Yeah. We're, big, we're already winning before we even hit the mat. Right. And so now, boom, they go in there. You know, maybe they win their first match, but now they lose their second match, whatever. They come in third place. Who gives a shit? This is a big day for that individual. This is yeah. awesome. So now, how do you grow off that? Okay, cool. Yeah, so we're going to stick with the same weight. Now we're going to go for second place. Now we're going to go for third, first place, whatever. Right. Like you snowball that effect. And good coaches know how to push the break buttons on their athletes and their practitioners to really get the most out of them even if they're just a practitioner they just want to compete to compete to have fun they don't have to go to mm -hmm. ibjf worlds or pans or anything like that they can stick with a local tournament but they can still grow from there yeah definitely and that was that was me dude like i i told myself i wanted to be a certain weight before uh my tournament in uh january um i get tell some i kept telling myself like i want to be down to the 220 so i was in a gym every day I was killing it, and daughter ended up getting a, a cold from school, and it spread through the whole house, and I got sick and just gained weight, so I was just like, 
I, I tried my best. I think, um, yeah, so when I, like, before I got sick, I got down to, like, 219. And then after I got, I went back up to, like, 230. Mm-hmm. And luckily, you know, since it was, like, no, not that many people in my division, I was still able to compete. But, yeah, if I would have missed, if it had been, like, yeah, you too heavy or, you, you know, we have nobody in your bracket, then all that work could have been for nothing. Yeah, I'd have been more disappointed in that than you know losing losing the competition. Yeah, I know, and that that that's the sucky part, right? It's just like, <clears throat> and then I don't know how it is where you are, especially like locals and like having enough people in your division, right? But again, mm-hmm. the beautiful thing is that because like in in Ontario, especially for us, like again, like even Canada in general, we've been getting more people competing, which on cards. So now we're getting brackets where. Even if it's a master's division, we're still getting five, six different competitors competing in those divisions because now those guys that were white belts that you were competing against for forever are all now black belts or brown belts or purple belts. So, like, slowly, bit by bit, there's more people in jiu-jitsu schools than ever. But now, mm-hmm. how do you keep everybody growing at the same rate? That's the biggest thing. Right. And, yeah, keeping them motivated, keeping them interested in yeah. coming back the next day because – you know, no one likes to get their ass kicked, but no, it kind of comes with it. Kind of come with the territory, right? It comes with the territory, right? I mean, like, I I always look at like six, like Janner had the perfect thing where he's like, the training room is where you're going to be training ninety five percent of the time, right? Like mm-hmm. that's where your wins and losses are. So it's you practicing, and the ideas of practice is you have to lose, right? You're you're meant to lose in practice and you have to give up things in order. If you're winning in training every single time, it means you're not growing because right. you're always doing the same things over and over and you're not putting yourself in positions to lose. So the idea right. is to grow in positions of where you're going to lose. So now you can, again, you give up to make up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then when you get to that competition floor, that's when you need to be perfect, right? Yeah. The idea of the work has been done in the gym. It hasn't been, it's not, it's not used because you're so magical on that day, right? It's you've done all the hard work in the training room and that's where you've made all your mistakes. And now it's about just showing up for the lights at that time. Right. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, perfectly described. Yeah. yeah, You at the gym, that's when you give it, you know, 200%, you know, balls to the wall and, competition or fight time that's when you're supposed to enjoy it well exactly enjoy the fruits right? of your labor you know yeah exactly yeah so um i kept you know i, I saw your hat and i saw your tag so choking hazard podcast what is what's that what's that all about yeah so um so basically choking hazard podcast is a podcast that my uh, co-host mike and i mike briars and i started in may of 2020 and mm-hmm. We had already, we, me and him worked together at the, um, at the club that is in our podcast where we don't, do not speak of. We don't give them a name. We don't give them any more publicity than they need. But, um, <laughs> but basically, we'd always talked about doing a podcast. We're like, okay, man, we, we need to run something. We need to do something and just talk about stuff. Because we're just talking to shit. I'm like, we might as well do it and record it and see what happens, right? So. Right long story short i'm like okay i'm making a podcast right it's like we're, we're talking on phone all the time and like through facetime because we're chatting shit with jujitsu or sending stuff back and forth and we're like all right we're starting a podcast 
is what we're going to do. We're going to do it all on Zoom. I don't know. It, we're going to probably have nobody listen to this. That's fine. I don't care, right? We're just starting a podcast, right? So, right. and that's what we did, right? So we started a podcast. And um, so for the first, like, year, it was, like, strictly through Zoom because basically it was COVID. Nobody was going anywhere. So we just basically grabbing different, like, um, individuals through our local community and, hey, we started this thing. You wanted to be a guest. So let's just chat and shoot the shit and talk jujitsu and that's it, right? And mm-hmm. slowly, bit by bit, it manifested into um, this bigger community, especially where we've had opportunities to commentate a bunch of different events. Um, I just hosted um, another event just recently last weekend. And then we've been, you know, slowly, bit by bit, building our YouTube channel. We've had opportunities to speak with a lot of different individuals. So, like, um, you know, Jordan teaches jujitsu on YouTube. Yeah. Heard yeah. So, Jordan, uh-huh. we had we had Jordan on our podcast back when he had a thousand subscribers right so like that's that's how early we started it like and again i'm not trying to be like oh we we discovered jordan no jordan did so much work and me and him bounce ideas off each other on like how he just grew his channel to where it is which is he's done such an amazing job but um i've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of different competitors in canada the u.s and singapore throughout the podcast and it's something that we just want to keep doing and you know, like bit by bit between Mike's work, my work. Um, now we've doing more in-person studio and now we're just trying to add more events and we're trying to um, figure out the options for possibly running our own event as well one day. Nice, nice. Man, I'm at, I'm that same way, man, when I like just random ideas starting a podcast and I was like, what the hell do I talk about? And I was like, well... <laughs> It's talk about jujitsu, like just find people yeah. who wants to talk about jujitsu. And I've met, you know, some phenomenal people, you know, people I never thought I would talk to people from, you know, Canada and, there you, go. <laughs> you know, Singapore and, you know, just all over the place. It's like, wow, you know, people who don't, we don't, you know, I don't know you, you don't know me, but you decide to take an hour out to talk about jujitsu. No, absolutely. And I, I appreciate you inviting me on. It's, I, I saw you put that post out. I'm like, just send me a location. I'll almost talk to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and this, I had did a post and I was like, yeah, you know, I did this and this and this and this and that. I'm looking for people and no one responded. So I was like, all right, all right, come on. So I was like, anybody want to be a guest on the podcast? Yeah. Just messages after messages. I'm like, Everybody wants to talk shit. Just keep it simple. Everybody wants to talk shit. Yeah, that's all it is. And people's like, people just want to talk shit. Or they're just like, what can we talk talk about? (laughs) That too. They're like, what can we talk about? I'm like, it's jujitsu. I'm like, you talk about whatever you want to talk about. Oh, can we talk about XYZ? Sure. I don't don't care. Yeah. Well, you're not like trying to like, you know, degrade or defile no one, but yeah, we can have fun and talk. Cancel me, I'll be fine. (laughs) Right, yeah, right. Exactly. You know, I don't want no controversy, but you know, whatever. Oh yeah, and you know what? Like it's funny because it's like um, we've and I've had the opportunity like just talk to some great people and you know getting the like and we just talk shit too and it's like a lot of times we've had like controversial topics that we'll bring up and it was like obviously here like whether it's vaccines and um, just lockdowns, all sorts of stuff, and so we just like a whole bunch of different people and get different perspectives as well, right? Because again, like. Yeah. I'll, I'll listen to anything, Rick. If it's fucking crazy, it's crazy. Plain and simple. Like it's just mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go go. If you're nuts, you're nuts, right? But <clears throat> kind of 
it was just kind of like it was great to get different perspectives and just like uh, i'm neither or with i'm just like okay let me hear your view tell me about yeah. it like why do you look at it that way okay cool and then when you get look at the jiu-jitsu side i think the more i look at it with the people i've talked to over jiu-jitsu people just want to get better they just want to train more they just yeah. want to get better and it's not necessarily ever about i want to be the best school person i want to be the best competitor it's always like how do we grow our community more how do we yeah. build this from where and I, like i said like we're still in the infancy stages of what it is like how do you build it into something else right and it's even like um so right now we have what the jjif uh, canadian trials going on right and so the jjif is basically if the if jiu-jitsu is ever going to become an Olympic sport, they're the organization that's going to run it. They, okay. It's their rule set. That'll be the most likely. It won't be IG, IBJJF. It won't be. They have the prestige, but they have not figured out the idea of countries, PSOs, so like um, like um, when we look at like the international like federations of like sports. They're mm -hmm. not about that. They're all about privatization of like the competitor money. We're an organization. We want our money for the organization. But we don't give a shit about the countries. Right. Right. But when you look at like organizations where, okay, we want Canada's best. We want the United States best. We want Pakistan's best. Okay. We're putting everybody housing them here and we're having the Olympics of jujitsu. That's what they're going to be doing. So nice. we had, we had um, the organizer of the Canadian division on and talking about it. And it's like, it, it, it's still in a, in a growth stage, but it's getting closer and closer and it, it might never be in the Olympics. We don't know. Right. But mm -hmm. that's how you're going to grow the sport is through amateur. And as much as we want to say, well, pro is where everybody sees. I'm like, yeah, but that's short lived, right? Athletes come and go. Right. But mm -hmm. amateur sport is what drives the sport in general. So yeah. it's, it's going to be – that's what keeps things alive, right? What, why does hockey exist? Well, the NHL exists because you have the GTHL. You have all these kids playing ice hockey. And like that, those are the people who grow into these things, right? So yeah. if, you, if you neglect the amateur side, all those other sports start to fade. So mm -hmm. the growth of amateur sports is what's going to push the sport forward. For sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, these – jiu-jitsu phenoms are getting younger and younger so oh definitely yeah. got <laughs> definitely yeah. to get you know jiu-jitsu out in the world man because I, I had crazy. i was in california um in august and a week before i was supposed to go i like busted up my mcl like i didn't tear it it just like it strained it pretty good right and mm. I had plans to go to AOJ, right? Like that was my plan. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go AOJ. I had already talked to them. I'm like, hey, I reserved a gi, the whole deal. And as we're, my wife and I were doing a road trip, we were taking uh, the, the one from uh, San Francisco, working our way all the way down to Casa Mesa. And um, basically I was like, I don't think I can do this. Cause it's like, she's like, why? I'm like, because those orange belts and green belts and blue belts, are going to see my black belt and they're going to try and rip my head off. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not at hundred percent. I'm like 50%. Right. So even right. if I'm to say like, I just here for class, I'm not here to roll. They're going to try and kill me. So I'm like, yeah. you know what? I think I'm going to sit this one out next time we come to California. 
I'll, I'll go back. So it's like, sorry, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, it's not about ego. It's like, I just don't need my knee tearing apart by an 18 year old. I know, right? <laughs> on vacation. Right, on vacation. Like, well, right. So, no, thank you. That's it. I'm not saying they would ever do that, but just say. Just right. I'd rather be safe than sorry, right? I, exactly. <laughs> but, um, so my question for you, sir, I ask everyone who comes on the show to, uh, this question. Uh, your top three, who will be your top three roles? My top three roles that I've had with yeah. the pleasure of doing no, that you That you would like to have. Oh, that I would like three, to have. The top three people you would like to roll with. Okay. Um, so see, I've, had, I've had the pleasure of rolling with a lot of people. So I would love to roll with Henzo. I would even like, but I'm not like, not like Henzo as he's old now. Like I would love to like seeing like a prime Henzo, but like, I still mm-hmm. think Henzo would kick my ass regardless. Right. <laughs> so like, I don't even think it'd be competitive. So I would love to, to feel that different type of gi Henzo type of role type feel. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think rolling with Gordon Ryan would be the most painful experience ever of just being absolutely make me want to quit jujitsu. So I don't even know if I want to do that and go down that road, <laughs> <laughs> but it would be a great experience or like somebody like Marigali and Ghee would be awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think like as a, as a third individual, um, I would probably say, hmm. Oh, this is a hard one. See, like I would, who would be another one? I think probably one of the Mendez brothers. If I was ever going to California, and like probably like Guy Mendez or something like that. Like I think that would be interesting, just to see the difference. Like I've had the opportunity to roll with like GSP, Johnny Grippo. Um, oh wow! Okay. A couple other individuals like Hobson Moore. I've rolled with a bunch of times. It's been like. Hobson Morris is just a different animal too. He's just like the guy is small, but he moves like nobody. Like unless you have somebody that size and just so low to the ground and the way he rolls is just completely different. And he rolls every day too. Even though he's not competing anymore, he's still on the mats every single day teaching and it's unreal. So yeah. That's how it's supposed to be, man. But um yeah, man, unless you got anything else, if you got any questions for me, uh, if you got anything coming up, anything uh, with the podcast or school, by all means, man, the floor is still yours. Yeah, no, um, no, I want to thank you very much for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure talking with you. This is a great conversation. I hope you had fun. Um, yeah, I did. So, um, I, I mean, for you, like, what do you, my one question be for you is like, where do you feel you want to take this podcast for yourself? Like, what's your kind of next step, steps evolution for yourself? Um, honestly, dude, uh, I would love to actually visit, uh, some of the guests I've had on the show and actually, you know, roll with them, sit down and have like a face-to-face interview. Um, honestly, dude, I, I'll, I'll take it wherever it takes me. You know, I'm not like, I don't have like a, a set destination for it. I just, I just love to do, I'm doing it for the love of it. If it blows up, you know, fantastic. Uh, but I would just love to be able to 
you know, Joe Rogan and shit, just to be able to yeah, sit yeah, back yeah. and just talk about jujitsu every day. No, that's awesome. That's, that's kind of like, that's kind of like my goal. But mainly, I would love to eventually be able to get to a place where I can visit, you know, like I said, visit my guest and, you know, link up with them, roll with them, and just, yeah, just do jujitsu. Awesome. Talking to jujitsu. That's it. That's good, man. No, I, I do hope that it works out for you. Like, just keep, like I said, like, like we're we're on like 110 episodes. Like just keep plugging away, just keep doing them, and you never know where it takes you, right? And you just have right, fun never know. We never yeah. know, right? So the only reason it gets bad is because you stop, right? So just have fun with it. Um, I do appreciate you having me on. And if you ever end up coming to Canada, please let me know. We'll go train, and then we'll do a podcast after. I'm all for that. Man, definitely, man, definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure so. For sure. Um, yeah, man. So thanks so much. I really do appreciate it. Um, oh, for anybody who's listening and want to listen to our podcast, it's Choking Hazard Podcast. Uh, Instagram handle is at Choking Hazard 2020. Um, hit us up. We're always putting up cool content and all sorts of stuff. So even though we're from Canada, we still know what we're talking about. Okay. So we got we got stuff up here. I'm just letting you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But thanks again, Aaron. Uh, no, man. Thanks yeah, a lot, Lamar. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, that's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank my guest, Aaron, again, one more time for coming on the show and uh, blessing us with his uh, tales and wisdom with of uh, jiu-jitsu. Uh, please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages to stay up to date on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jiu-jitsu. Have a great day. We'll see you, everybody.